Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today, we are going to study the prophet Ezekiel, that's Yechezkel, chapter 10. This is Saul Weiner, the host of the podcast. And just a quick reminder, we are still in the middle of Yechezkel's vision, of the prophet's vision, of his um, trip to Jerusalem. Remember, he was sitting at his home, presumably after having done various symbolic acts to represent the uh, upcoming and imminent destruction of Jerusalem. God had taken him, so to speak, on a journey to the temple to observe as the destruction unfolds. In chapter 9, we read (coughs) of how the God's presence started to rise from above the Kiruvim, from above the Aron Kodesh, representing the beginning of, of God's departure, so to speak, from his temple, and his allowing the enemy to come and defile the temple. Uh, he also, we also learned of the men of destruction, the six men of destruction, who were being led by the Ish Levud Habadim, the men dra- man dressed in linen, Uh, This man was some angel tasked with the destruction of Jerusalem is the image that we're getting. And he had a Keses Sofer, a book in which he had records of who's righteous, who's not. He marked people with a mark on their forehead, those that were going to be saved. But everyone else was being slaughtered. And the awful slaughter we began to read about in the last chapter. So chapter 10 begins in the middle of this vision. And we're going to learn a little bit more of the departure of God, the presence of God from his temple. Now, if we remember, the the first chapter of Ezekiel began with this fantastical um, vision of God and his chariot. And we learned about the seraphim, the fiery angels, and the chariot, and the wheels, and, and the presence of God himself, so to speak, above the being carried by this chariot that was traveling somewhere, going somewhere, but he was seeing it at the Nahar Kivar, at the river Kivar in Babylon. The idea we said then was that the God had left. God had left Jerusalem, he had left Israel, and he is now finding his place to reside among the exiles that were then in Babylon. So now we're going back to that same image. Nechazkel is going to remind us many times that it is the same image but now he's watching as that chariot leaves the temple so this this vision represents the idea that it's not the temple that god wants if we defile the temple we do not deserve it anymore god will leave the temple he can reside among his people anywhere even in babylon as long as the people follow his laws follow his the way of life that he prescribed for them so here we have again, I'm reading verse 1, Vihine, and behold, I saw, and behold, al kruvim, on the, Arakia is often translated the heavens, but it means like the expansive sky or dome, so to speak, kruvim, which was above the heads of the kruvim of the cherubs. And it appeared ke'evan sapir, like a sapphire stone, a brilliant blue color, kimar'e demus, and above it, I saw something similar to looking like a chair. Whenever Yechezkel talks about what he sees, 
the closer what he sees gets to a representation of God himself, the more he throws in terms of like, dimus, in appearance of, so on. He makes very clear that he's not didn't actually see this, but this is how it was represented in his mind. This is the closest thing he can use to describe something like what he saw. Vayomer, and then God said, El ha'ish levoshabadim, to the man who was dressed in linen, the one who was tasked with the destruction of Jerusalem that we read about in the last chapter, Vayomer, and he said, Bo el benos la galgal el takas la kurv. Come to the area underneath the wheels which are underneath the cherub. And fill your hands with burning coals that are residing, that are arrest, that are there between and uh, the um, cherubs, the keruvim uzrokaloir, and throw these burning coals over the city of Ayavole Einai. And and he went as I watched. Yechazkel says, so I watched as he went and took these coals, knowing what these coals, of course, represent. The destruction of the city. And the Kruvim themselves were standing in the right part of the house of the temple as the man came to take these coals. And the cloud, uh, the cloud which was coming from these burning coals, uh, filled the inner courtyard. So we were already in the inner courtyard of the temple. And then the presence of God, which was above the Kruv, now uplifted even in the last chapter. Now it went even further. It went higher from above the cherubs who were still standing in the temple. To the platform to the of the house. In other words, God is leaving even further from the Kruv and leaving even further at the stages of leaving the temple. And the house... The temple was filled with this cloud, v'yachatzer, malo'ah, and the entire courtyard filled at noga Adonai with the radiance, with the glow of the honor of God. This glow and radiance now, which was confined to the Kodesh HaKadoshim originally, which was confined to the Holy of Holies, is now leaving. It's now filling, it went to the Miftana Bayit, to the platform. Now it is filling the Chatzer, the yard, which is farther out. I, so this this cloud that we're thinking here is really the almost the opposite of the cloud of Moshe of, of Moses when when Moses brought facilitated the uh, God coming in bringing his presence into the tabernacle there was a cloud that represented God's coming God's being there this cloud that we're seeing now which also represents God's presence but it represents something much sadder something much more painful which is God's presence leaving the temple as opposed to coming by he and it was bitsaboso etoish um i'm sorry the kol kanfeakruvim and this is verse five and the sound of the wings of the cherubs nishma could be heard at a chitzona all the way to the outer courtyard kikol el shatai b'tabro it was loud and clear just like the sound of God himself when he spoke to me. Because remember, that Ezekiel was able to hear God, even though he wasn't able to see. Um, so the, um, and the sound of the wings, presumably the cherubs are flying to carry God's presence out, away. And that sound of their flight was loud and clear. And it was when he commanded this man, dressed in linen, lamar as follows, Take some fire from between the wheels, 
from between, from among the cherubs, and he came and he stood beside one of the wheels. And one of the cherubs put out its hand. These cherubs were creatures that were combined of different animals and human beings, and also had, in addition to their wings, had hands like a human being. He sent his hand out, Elaish, into the fire, Asher Benotakuvim. Presumably, this man in linen wouldn't wasn't able to put his hand in the fire himself, so the Kruv did. And he gave him the flames into the to the um, hands of the man dressed in linen. And he's reminding us the 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 the, the prophet that the kruvim had the appearance of having had the form of a human hand beneath their wings. Next to um, the um, each one of the cherubs, there was four wheels. Um, one wheel was next to one kruv, and another wheel next to the other uh, 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 cherub. And the wheels appeared like a tarshish stone, a type of precious, glowing, shining stone. Uh, Translated, I've seen in translation as a beryl, B-E-R-Y-L, stone, uh, some kind of a gem. Each one appeared the same way. Each one of the cherubs and the wheels looked the same. It was like there were one wheel going into another wheel. I mean, exactly what all this vision means and why this is important is unclear, and I'm not, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. Just imagining this fantastical vision key here being wings, wheels, uh, the fact there was an image of a human hand, what is the significance of that, something important to think about. But you have the idea of a chariot, something ready to carry the presence of God, whether carrying him in, so to speak, or out, in this case, unfortunately. And their, their flesh, their backs, their hands, their wings, and the wheels, were, had the form there were eyes all over it all four of them and their wheels were covered with eyes why eyes? there's a lot of different ways to understand it but going along with the theme that I've been emphasizing since the beginning of Ezekiel there's this idea that the human being cannot see cannot actually perceive with his eyesight a real true vision of God we can't see it we can hear his message. We can hear what God wants from us, what he wants us to do. That's the Shemiah, that's the hearing. That's Shema Yisrael, hero Israel. But we cannot actually see. What we can see is we can see representations, we can see visions, things that remind us, things that teach us, things that frighten us, things that, that um, give us an opportunity to feel awe for God. But actually, so, And the eyes are demonstrating, but there in the heavenly worlds, they can see God. That's the difference between them and us. To those wheels, they had This is what I had heard them being called the wheel in my ears. In other words, Ezekiel is saying, I heard, I could not see with those eyes as like they were able to see, but I did hear that they called this the wheel. Each one, each cherub had four faces, 
one had the face of a cherub, the second was the face of a person, a human being, the third was the face of a lion, and the fourth was the face of an eagle. And the Kruvim ascended, they went up into the sky. This is so now God is going even further. He was his presence, so to speak, was filling the outer courtyard. Now he's going up. This is the same uh, uh, group of beasts, group of animals, creatures that I saw. This is clear. He's saying they went up. And this, this vision of the chariot is what I saw when I was there in Babylon. And the reason why he's saying when I was there is because now at least in the vision, he is currently in Jerusalem. He's not physically there. He's physically in his home in Babylon telling the elders this of this vision but but he is um, so to speak he's saying that same chariot that I saw leaving is the chariot that I saw arriving in Babylon back in the beginning and when these Kruvim traveled the wheels went next to them and when they raised the cherubs raised their wings in order to take off in flight from the land the wheels did not leave their side. The wheels went along with them. So when they flew, they carried the chariot with them. When they stood still, when they stopped, they, the wheels stopped. When they went higher in the air, they brought the wheels along higher with them. There was life to these wheels. They weren't just wheels. These wheels had life to them. And they were part and parcel of this living chariot and the honor of God left the platform of the house and the presence of God stood above the cherubs who were flying up into the sky and the cherubs um, um, uh, uh, carried you know raised their wings by a Roman minarets and they took off from the land to my eyes, in other words, I saw as God left Bitsesam, as they left the temple of Umasam, and the wheels were with them and next to them. By Amod Pesach Shar Kadmoni, and they stood uh, near the the eastern gate of the house of God. And the honor of the God of Israel was above these wheels and above this entire chariot. Uh, so God is there; He's at the doorway on His way out. You see, this is the same group of creatures and animals that I saw, also carrying the Lord God himself, so to speak, in Babylon at the river Kivar. I knew then already that these were the cherubs that had originally started in the Holy of Holies. This is verse 21. Four faces for each one, and four wings for each one. And they had this form of a human hand tucked beneath their wings. The same form of their faces is the same face that I saw on the river. Their appearance and they themselves, each one was going in the direct, could go, could walk in any one of the directions of those faces that I saw. So here we just study, this is the end of chapter 10. This vision is clearly being stated and being shown to Ezekiel to demonstrate 
this the the fact that God's presence has left, that he has left the temple, it is no longer God's temple. It will now be defiled by the enemy. Anyone who thinks that God is going to save the temple because it's his house, so to speak, should be dis um, um, should be should should now learn that this is no longer the case that God has left the temple and it will now be destroyed. This is another place where the prophet again is trying to convince the people that it's over, that it's over. The, the, the destruction is here. The destruction has come and, and God will not save the temple. Uh, thank you so much for studying chapter 10 together. Looking forward to studying chapter 11 and of course the rest of this book of Yechezkel of Ezekiel together.